Welcome. Welcome, everybody. It is uh, 5 o'clock, which means we're going to get started. Merry Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas Eve, soon to be Merry Christmas. We are excited to welcome you all today to Eternal City Church. We're going to have a, a specific service today for Christmas Eve to celebrate Jesus. Um, a few things before we get started. First and foremost is the restrooms. So the men's restroom is over my right shoulder. The women's restroom is over my left shoulder. And typically, uh, we have uh, a specific service for the kids as well as a nursery open. That is not the case today because we're going to do a shortened candlelight service where the kids are going to do a program and sing. But we do have the nursery open. So if you want to take your kids up to the nursery, it's not staffed. But you can bring your kids up there. There's toys. The service is live streams. You can still get a, a feel for what's going on. That, uh, the directions to get there are through that door. That's at the back of the room on my right. Make it right down the hallway. And then take the staircase up. And you'll see the, the nursery room with the TV and the door open and all the toys inside if you want to take your kids up there. So we are excited to have you. We're looking forward to worship together. And I will bring up our pastor, Pastor Chris. Hey. Merry Christmas, everyone. Good to see you all. Um, I'm just going to give you a quick lay of the land uh, as to what's going to happen tonight. Uh, we are going to have kind of like a streamlined worship gathering here where we're going to sing. We're going to have a, a short message for the kids and we're going to sing some more. And at the end, we're going to have candle light as Justin had just uh, mentioned. And so uh, no, no announcements tonight for those of you who are, who are normal eternal city goers. We're going to jump right into worship this evening. Uh, the only thing I want to highlight for those who are just coming in is that uh, we're not going to have ECC kids tonight and the nursery is not staffed. And so what that means is all the kids will be in the room tonight and they will be floating around and uh, singing with us and enjoying the worship gathering with us. Uh, so please be gracious as you hear kid noises. We love kid noises here. If you're here and you're a kid, uh, please participate and sing with us. And uh, moms and dads, if you need to take your child upstairs, feel free. Uh, all the way down the hall to my right in the back, up the stairs and right to the right, you'll see the nursery. Uh, and, if, and if you don't remember, grab me, uh, grab Justin who was up here, any of the worship team, if you see them, you can ask and uh, we will direct you to where the nursery is. Uh, and so we're excited to worship tonight on this Christmas Eve. It only comes around once every seven years that we get to actually worship on Christmas Eve, uh, especially, and so I'm excited for tonight for that to, to occur and for, for us to worship together. It's a, it's a beautiful evening. And so we're going to start by reading scripture. And so if you all could please stand, we're gonna jump right into worship. So please stand. That's okay. You don't have to stand. If you can't stand, please stay seated, okay? But if you can stand, please stand uh, for the reading of God's Word. And after we're done singing, we're going to, or rather reading, we're going to jump right into songs and sing together to the Lord. All right, let's read together. started to say good morning. Good evening. We'll be reading Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 2. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. 
In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. going to jump into it. We got Christmas songs that have to do with Jesus. So I'm sure you guys know all of these. If not, then you know most of them. i 
of peace Hail the Son of Righteousness Christmas Eve. I pray that you just be with Pastor Chris now as he continues worship by giving us your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Amen. All right, at this time, we're going to have something special and unique for the children. So uh, Mr. Brett is one of our ECC Kids teachers, and he's one of the best. And he's going to do a very short but very impactful message for all the children. And so, kids, I see some open seats here in the front, the first three rows. If, if kids, you want to come up and hang out up here up front, feel free to do so now. Mr. Brett, if you want to make your way up, we'll get you a microphone. As I said, Mr. Brett is one of our best teachers, and I'm excited for you all to hear him. Uh, yeah, if, if there's any children that want to stay put and stay with their parents, feel free. Mr. Brett, take it away, my friend. Hi, everybody. Hi, kids. Merry Christmas. I'm very excited uh, for Christmas. I, I love Christmas. I don't know about you, but I have a lot of... Uh, Good Christmas memories. Do you guys have a lot of good Christmas memories? What, what are some of your, it doesn't have to be Christmas, but maybe some of your favorite memories ever. What do you think? Anybody? Landon. I told he was going to Disney World. I like that. Did you have fun at Disney World? Okay. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. I like that you put that you were told you were going to Disney World was one of your favorite memories. That is super important. I'm actually going to use that in what I'm about to say. That's awesome. Thank you. Israel. Going on vacation. You love going on vacation. I love going on vacation too. That's, that's a great memory. Where'd you go? A beach and a pool. That sounds awesome. You like to swim? Awesome. Thank you. Great memory. Jackson, when you get your presents, did you have a favorite one? You just like them all? You like them all, okay. Getting presents is awesome. Well, here's the thing. We have a lot of good memories, right? A lot of good memories in life, a lot of things that we enjoy, a lot of gifts and blessings, right? And Thing is, there's some bad memories too, huh? Some, some hard things that happen, some sad things, some 
painful things, some bad things. Well, about 2,000 years ago, someone came to put an end to all that, to put an end to all the bad memories or bad futures or bad painful things that are going to happen and bring us nothing but good memories for all of eternity. And many, many years before he came, it was predicted that he would come. See, uh, in Isaiah, there's a lot of predictions about the coming of Jesus. One of them, uh, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, meaning a son of Jesse, like Jesse's son, 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 right? And the, uh, the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding. And when he comes and does his work, the nursing child shall play in the hole of the cobra and the weaned child shall put his hand in the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. And it also says of Jesus when he comes that he will bear our griefs and carry our sorrows and he will be pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. And upon him will be the chastisement that brought peace and his wounds by his wounds will be healed. Um, so they were waiting for someone to come to take away all the bad things that were going to happen. And then one night there were shepherds in a field and an angel said to them, fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people for unto you born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord, who they were waiting for to take away all the bad all the bad memories and bring us nothing but good and happy memories like your vacation and like, like going to Disney World, like the news you were going to Disney World and like all your presents forever and ever had come as a little boy, as a little baby. Who was he? Just say it. Jesus. That's right. That's right. So Jesus came to make everything new like a new vacation, like Christmas morning, like, like uh, a new trip to Disney World, right? But it, do, it didn't happen all at once, right? It happened in stages. So the first stage was him to, for him to come and be born here and to live the life that we should have lived as a man under the curse of sin, meaning not that he was sinful, but that he suffered from the curse of sin all the, you know, sickness and, and pain and death. Um, and, and then he died on the cross and he absorbed all of sin on himself. Now, there is sin that we do when we do bad things, right? And Jesus took the punishment on himself for that. But there's also the results of sin, okay? That's why there's pain and sadness and death and sickness and all those bad things because sin brings that into the world. Sin stains the world, and so when Jesus first came as a, as, a, as a little baby and then a little boy and then a young man and then a man, he lived the perfect life under the curse of that sin, but then he died the death that we should have died in our place so that all the, the punishment for sin fell on him and we wouldn't have to receive any of it. And then what happened on the third day after after. He died the third day. Go ahead, just say it. Rose from the dead. That's right. Very good. And he ascended to heaven. And then he started um, the next era, which was he wanted everyone to know about him and how to be saved. 
But someday, someday he's coming back and he's going to make everything new and different. And I have, a, I have a little illustration here for you. So what do we have here? We have a, a blank white piece of paper, right? And a pencil and an eraser. So let's just say that this is, this is a life, okay? This, this first white piece of paper here is a life. I'm going to set this down for a second. Okay, see this little scribble here? This represents sin and the effects of sin, okay? It's a kind of a mess. It's scribbly, right? And, and I don't like it. It's not very attractive. It's not, it's not very good. So what I'm going to do is then I'm going to take this eraser that's in my other hand, and I'm going to erase it, okay, because I don't like it very much. So I'm going to do my best to erase it, okay? Okay, so the eraser did a pretty good job, okay? It erased most of that mess, right? I could probably do something else here, and you could probably tell what it is, even with this left over, okay? So the reason I'm showing you this is because what Jesus did on the cross takes away the guilt of our sin forever. So God will never hold us guilty. It's as though we had never sinned, when we trust in Christ and our sin was put on him and taken away forever, okay? But even though we're forgiven, we still live in a, in a sinful world. We still live in a world cursed by sin. And so there's some residual leftover. That would be the pain you experience, sadness, sickness, death, those kind of things, okay? So it's, they're, they're still here, even though we're forgiven and right before God and we're gonna go to heaven someday, here on earth, there's still some, some effects of sin, even for us who believe in Jesus. But one day, God's going to do this through Jesus. He's going to take away everything that sin ever touched. He's going to He's going to move this world aside. He's, he's going to make us new, and he's going to make the whole world and the whole universe new. And it's going to be just like this piece of paper, blank. It's going to be good, and we're going to enjoy it. So you think of the, the, the scuffs on the other piece of paper as, you know, the pain and the hardness. He's going to take all that away and make everything new. That's what he says in Revelation 21. Behold, I make all things new. Okay? So... Right when Jesus came as a young child and, and grew into a man and died, he took away the punishment for sin for everyone who would believe in Jesus. But someday he's going to come back a second time and take away the effect of sin. And we'll never have to live with sadness or pain or death or sickness ever again, forever. We will, it, it will be better 
than your best memory by far. Infinitely better because we'll be with God who, who loves us and has all power to make us happy for all eternity. That's what Christmas means. That's Christmas's promise to us of what's coming. And because of Jesus and what he did, we can be completely forgiven. And someday we have the hope of eternity with him in a sinless, completely happy world with Christ. Okay? All right, so Merry Christmas. Love you all. Thank you, Brett. All right, kids, you can head back to your seats. Thank you, Mr. Brett. Brett's always good for wonderful illustrations. And because Brett brought it down to a child level, I, can, I have now permission to bring it up to an adult level. And so I am going to be uh, briefer than normal. And I would just ask that you all would think with me. There will be a few quotes that are a bit complex, but you, you can hang in there. So let's pray and ask for God's help as we think about Jesus piercing the darkness. Father, we thank you for the gift of Christmas. God, a yearly reminder, a yearly celebration of what you have done for us in Christ. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his life. We thank you for his death on the cross. We thank you for his burial and resurrection. And we thank you for his ascension and the hope of return and renewal of all things. God, this brings us much hope. And I pray that each person in this room would have that hope. It would be theirs to cling to when the darkness threatens to swallow alive. Be gracious, God. Come even now by your spirit, please help us. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see, minds to understand, and bring us hope on this Christmas Eve of 2023, we pray. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. So we're gonna talk about Jesus coming as light or Jesus piercing the darkness, Jesus coming into a dark world as the brightest light that could be. And we're going to do this through mainly two authors, two of my favorite authors, actually, one more authoritative than the other. One would be the Apostle John, and the other would be C.S. Lewis. Uh, I think Lewis would readily submit to the Apostle John. In fact, I know he would. And so we're going to give John the Apostle much more weight in what he says than Lewis, but both of what these men have to say to us will be helpful this evening. And so at the beginning, you heard Jackie read Isaiah 9, 1-2. This is a prophecy of light coming into darkness. The original darkness would be Assyria coming to Israel and taking over the north or the northern tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali. But it's pointing beyond that original darkness of Assyria invading, and it's pointing to the first century and the Roman occupation and sin infecting the world and God breaking into that darkness. And so let's read it with that in mind. But there will be no gloom for her, for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee, 
of the nations, and that would be the Sea of Galilee. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. Now, we know for sure this is talking about Jesus in the second sense, beyond the Assyrian sense, because Matthew 4, 15 through 16 says so. It says that this prophecy is fulfilled in Jesus. And Jesus did a lot of his ministry in that northern region of Israel by the Sea of Galilee. In fact, he was from Nazareth in Galilee. That's where Jesus came from. And what I want to talk about briefly is this Isaiah 9-2 concept of a great light coming into deep darkness. Now, deep darkness is, is not like um, the, the little electronic lights that are on in your bedroom or your night light or when your phone lights up and it, it casts a light. Deep darkness is I can't even see my hand in front of my face. And that's the condition that we're all in spiritually before Jesus breaks in and shines a light into that darkness. Uh, I have a friend who helps lead our, our church's network in the Northeast and the North Atlantic. His name's David Pinckney. He's preached here before. He sent a poem uh, for Christmas, and I, I want to read it for you. It's a good poem. It's very short. David says, King Jesus has pierced your darkness. Heavy doubts and despair are met, with his reign declaring a beginning, giving rise to songs for your steps. And as I've read this and thought about that opening line, Jesus has pierced your darkness. That's the question I want you to ask yourself tonight, is has this light of Isaiah 9-2, has he pierced not just the darkness of the world, the darkness of sin and decay and the effects of sin, as Brett has just mentioned, but has he pierced your darkness personally? Has light broken into your world personally? I want you to ask that question to yourself. And as I said, tonight we'll, we'll look through the words of two men, the Apostle John and C.S. Lewis, to unpack this a bit, to, to open it up, this light piercing the darkness. The first text is in the opening of John's letter or his gospel, and in verse 4, John the Apostle writes, in him, that him is Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, we know uh, the opening of John's gospel, John calls Jesus the Word, and he says that through him, there's not nothing that was made except by and through him, this Word. And this Word is this life, meaning all life originates in Jesus. He is the author of life himself. And this life was the light of men meaning that of all men, he brought light into the world. He illuminated the darkness. Spiritually, he gave light. Morally, he gave light. And he promises light into the future. He promises hope and brightness, forgiveness of sins, and eternal life with him in a new heavens and a new earth. Verse 5, John writes, the light, this is Jesus, the light, shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. 
Now, darkness cannot overcome light, but as you know, light always overcomes darkness. Darkness cannot swallow light, maybe with the exception of a black hole, but we don't quite know how that works because no one's ever entered one to study and, and come out and tell us what actually happens to light. But light always pierces darkness and brightens it, always, every time. And the opposite is not true. And in this sense here, Jesus was entering into darkness and darkness again and again tried to overcome him, tried to bring him down, but could not. And even when he entered the grave, he came out victorious and overcame darkness with light. And John tells us in verse 14 that this word, Jesus, capital W, became flesh. He became one of us and he dwelt or he tabernacled among us, meaning God inside the person of Jesus, lived as one of us and among us, giving us light and showing us light. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And so Jesus came as the most gracious person to ever live, but he did not shrink back from telling the truth. And as you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can see Jesus has some piercing, true, and hard things to say. He didn't hold back truth. But uh, along with his truth, he was so gracious, so kind, so tender, and always willing to forgive those who were asking and pleading for mercy and grace and his forgiveness. A balance that none of us are really able to strike, being fully gracious and full of truth and not imbalanced in any way in those two. Now, Jesus as light uh, comes to bring spiritual light, moral light. I would add he gives us psychological light in that he messes up what is broken in our psychology, in our thinking, in our way of thinking about ourselves and others and God and the world and our values. He will and can and does bring emotional light into your world. Jesus pierces emotional darkness and brings light out of despair and out of deep sadness and darkness. It's not that we never go through those things, but there's hope as we go through those things. And I would argue and will argue eventually Jesus is going to bring physical light to the entire universe as Brett had just mentioned to us. Now, C.S. Lewis says it like this. That's how John says it. Here's how C.S. Lewis says it. The second person in God, the Son, became human himself, was born into the world as an actual man, a real man of a particular height, with hair of a particular color, speaking a particular language, weighing so many stone, If you could take stone and put it on one side of a scale and Jesus on the other, there would be an equivalent. Weighing so many stone, the eternal being who knows everything and who created the whole universe became not only a man, but before that, a baby. And before that, a fetus inside a woman's body. If you want to get the hang of it, think of how you would like to become a slug or a crab, <laughs> classic Lewis, okay? We, we can't even imagine getting into that kind of lower form of creature, but yet for the creator to become one of his image bearers, 
human beings, it's a much greater quantum leap down. It really is. The infinite become, in a sense, finite, killable, if you will. And John continues as he pictures Jesus as the light in verse 9. He says, the true light, which gives light to everyone. Now, now think about what John is saying. He's not saying Jesus is a light among many lights. No, he says he is the true light. As in this light lights all the other lights. And without this light, we have darkness. That's a massive claim of John here in the gospel that he writes. Jesus is not just a light, but the light. And his claim is he gives light to everyone. Without exception, all people get light from Jesus. He was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. And so this this is the picture of when God became one of us, We missed him. And most sadly, his own people, his own ethnic people, the Jews, who were promised this Messiah and waiting for this Messiah, they sadly missed him. That's what it means to come to his own. He came to them, and they didn't receive him. They missed who he was, even though he made these claims right to their face and backed up his claims with miracle after miracle after miracle, even raising men and women from the dead. And so here, his own people did not receive him, but look at verse 12, friends. But to all who did receive him, and my hope and prayer is that this is all of you in this room tonight. You're among those who have received this light, the light, not just a light, but the light, To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, which means you take Jesus for all that he claimed to be. Not a mere man, but God. Not a mere prophet, but the judge of all the earth. Not a mere man, but the creator of mere man. The sinless, perfect sin bearer. That's what it means to receive him. It means to take him for who he claims to be. Sadly, not who we want him to be. We we want a good moral teacher. We want inspiration. We want uh, uh, an example to follow. But Jesus is so much more than that, friends. He is God come to live in our place and do what we could not do, which is uphold the Father and his perfect standard. And he died a substitutionary death that none of us could die. He paid for the sins of all those who would ever trust in him. This is who he claims to be. And if you're going to receive him, friends, you you have to, I have to receive him on his own terms, not on your terms. Jesus will not bow to our will. It's the opposite. He says, you bow to my will. In fact, in the most famous prayer that probably exists, we have your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the will of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And so here, it's to receive him, to believe in his name. And if that's you, friends, if you 
take Jesus at his word that you are a sinner in need of a savior and he is that savior and he is willing to save you. You can be those who he gives the right to become the children of God. There is one unique son of God, that's Jesus, but we in Christ become sons and daughters of God, the Most High, adopted into this great family, a family of light and life. He gave the right to become the children of God who were born. So now the image here is, is we're born into this family, not of blood, that's, that's not of natural birth, human birth, nor of the will of the flesh, that's not something that you can decide on your own, nor of the will of man, again, not of human decision, but of God. God is the one who does this to us. He is the one who creates this new birth in us. Yet your responsibility is to believe in his name and receive him. That's what verse 12 says. Who, who did receive him, who believed in his name, he causes this new birth. He brings light into your darkness. And friends, the, the light is not instantaneous in that you see all things. It, it's, it's progressive in the sense of you see more and more and more and more as you grow. And so don't get discouraged if you're a new Christian in here and a lot of this doesn't make sense. My encouragement is stick with Jesus, stick with the Bible, stick with a good church that opens up the Bible and seeks to explain it to you. Stick to other men and women who will open up that same Bible and answer your questions. Don't get discouraged, don't give up. More puzzle pieces will begin to fit together and before you know it, you have a beautiful picture of light and life and you're in the picture. That's my encouragement, don't give up. Look forward to this light getting brighter and brighter and brighter. All of us at one time were a bit confused about Christianity. All of us. And so here, the encouragement is, receive him. Believe in his name and he will give you the right to become one of God's children, born into his family. Jesus came saying crazy things in, in the same gospel. He, he came saying, I am the way. Listen, not a way. Like, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to God the Father except through me. I mean, that's massive. He doesn't say, look, I'm one way among many. I am one truth among a multiplied, you know, effort of truth. No, I am the truth. I am one way to go. I am the way, he said. And friends, this is who we must receive on his own terms. We can't say, well, Jesus is true for me, but you know, whatever you believe, that's fine. No, Jesus says, there's one option. But that one option is for anyone and everyone who will receive him and believe in his name. That's the wideness of Christianity, is that anyone and everyone from any background can turn to him and receive this darkness-piercing light. And friends, that's the good news we have to tell, is that Jesus is not stiff-arming anyone from coming to him. If they want to come to him for light and life and forgiveness, he will receive them. He will receive you tonight. He said things like, I am the light of the world. Not a light in the world. 
I am the light of the world. I light up the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Now, that's a great promise to hold on to. If you follow Jesus, darkness will not be what you walk in. Bumping into everything, hurting yourself, falling into ditches. No, but you will have the light of life, he says. Because I am the light of life, Jesus says, and you will have me. Light of life. Now, the big problem we have as human beings, and I'm I'm now moving towards the end here, the big problem we have as human beings is, friends, we're not just in the darkness, like not able to see well. The darkness is in us. That's the problem. Let me say that again. The problem is not just that we're in the darkness and we can't see well. It's that the darkness is in us. And in addition, we have a love affair with it. That's the problem. Now, I know that's hard to receive, but friends, if you will receive that truth, and I'm going to show you Jesus is the one who tells us this truth. If you will receive that truth, you are on your way to light, out of darkness. John 3, just going to move a couple chapters ahead. Jesus uh, has the interaction with a man named Nicodemus, and the apostle John now breaks in, and he gives some narration after that conversation, and he says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Okay, the light has not come into the world on a condemnation mission. It's not why he came. But in order that the world might be saved through him. And so Jesus' mission, the incarnation Christmas, is not about condemnation, but it's about salvation. That's what Christmas is about. Jesus came to save his people from their sins. He's on a mission of salvation. Whoever believes in him. See how liberal that is? See how wide that is? Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But, but... Whoever does not believe is condemned already. Now notice that very quickly. He doesn't say, you're going to be condemned if you don't believe. No, you're already there. You're already in a state of condemnation. Why? Because of the darkness in you and it's being expressed through various sins and your affections for it. That's the problem. We're already in a state of condemnation. We need rescued from the condemnation. That's what it means to be saved. We're already in peril, and Jesus has come to pull us out of the pit. So he has not come on a condemnation mission. He has come on a salvation mission. Whoever believes is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God, implying if you did believe in him, you would not be condemned. Verse 19 And this is the judgment. All right, you ready? Listen close. This is the judgment. One translation says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world. Who's that? Jesus. Jesus has come into the world, the light. And people love the darkness rather than the light. Because, why? Because their deeds were evil. And so Jesus comes into the world as light, and yet people push the darkness. No, they don't. They receive darkness, and they push away the light. Why? Because we express the darkness that's inside of us. 
And Jesus exposes our darkness. And if we're in love with it and we don't want to give it up and we don't want to turn from it and we want to cling to it and treasure it, we don't want light to break into our darkness. Okay, this is what John says next. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light. Now remember who the light is. It's Jesus. So a life of wickedness must result in hatred of the light or Jesus. It has to. And does not come to the light or come to Jesus lest his work should be exposed. There's the problem. Why won't people come to Jesus, you might ask yourself. Why won't I come to Jesus, you might ask yourself. Friend, it's a sin problem, and it's not just a sin problem, it's a love affair with sin problem. You love darkness, I love darkness more than light, but listen, Jesus can break into that and shine his light into your heart, expose the darkness for the ugliness that it is, and you might throw it far from you and run from the darkness to the light. That's what comes next, verse 21. But whoever does what is true comes to the light. Oh, friends, come to the light. Don't stay in darkness. Don't close the door and shut out the light. Open the door, open the blinds, open the windows, let the light in. Whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Notice the God in that as well. And so here's my encouragement. If this is attractive to you, but you're like, I just can't do it. I I sense this inability within me. Pray that God would overcome the darkness. Pray that God would pierce your darkness. Not just the darkness, your darkness. And he might bring light into your life. That he might bring light into your state of sin and love affair with the dark. Here's C.S. Lewis again. The natural life in each of us is something self-centered, something that wants to be petted and admired, to take advantage of other lives, to exploit the whole universe, and especially it wants to be left to itself, to keep well away from anything better or stronger or, or higher than it, anything that might make it feel small. It is afraid of the light and air of the spiritual world, just as people who have been brought up to be dirty are afraid of a bath. And in a sense, it is quite right. It knows that if the spiritual life gets a hold of it, All its self-centeredness and self-will are going to be killed. And it is ready to fight tooth and nail to avoid that. Friends, there's the fight. Why won't people come to the light? Why won't people come to Jesus? It's because the self-centeredness and self-will are going to be killed. And your darkness will fight tooth and nail to live. That's the problem. But friends, Jesus is bigger than your self-will. He's bigger than your self-centeredness. He's bigger than mine. And praise God, he can and will kill it. But friends, you need to offer it to him. In a very bright way, say, Jesus, kill what is displeasing in me to you. And man, watch light break into your life. Watch light break into your life in the form of God himself. 
There's a promise at the end of the book called the Bible, Revelation. And in the second to last chapter, we get a little tiny glimpse into what this kind of new heaven and new earth will look like. And yes, we're skipping a lot of New Testament here. <laughs> but it's the same author, John, he wrote Revelation, and, he, and he's using the same themes in all of his writing, whether it's John or first, second, third John, Revelation, he's always using light and darkness themes. And he picks up on this in Revelation 21, 22 to 27, and, and he's seeing this vision that God is showing him, and he, he's talking about the new heavens and the new earth, and he's talking about the holy city, the new Jerusalem, at the center of the new earth, and he says, I saw no temple in the city. So think Middle East, new Jerusalem, remade, as Brett had just said, with all sin and darkness, X'd out of it. Its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. Now remember, the Old Testament temple was the place you went to meet with the actual presence of God. The place where you went to worship and to be with Him, actually locally. But here, the temple is God and the Lamb, meaning He is there present. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of the Lord gives it light, and its lamp is who? The Lamb. Now, the lamb is another word for Jesus, light, word, lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, okay? And here, Jesus is the light of the new Jerusalem in, in a very real sense, I think, both morally and physically. By its light will the nations walk. By this new Jerusalem will the nations walk and by its light. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. Night in the sense of darkness, in the negative sinful sense, okay? They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. And look at verse 27, but nothing unclean will ever enter it. Nothing. Nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, that might seem like bad news to you, but friends, if you're a Christian, that is good news. Because friends, if there was detestableness and falseness and ugliness and sin there, guess what? It would be just like here. There's no hope there. Hope is that the way it is now is not the way it's going to be in the future. And God will make it so. And friends, we have a problem, don't we? Because we still, even as Christians, do what is detestable. We still do what is false. We don't live truly in front of others. And we hide. And so the hope is this, friends, that God has promised to each and every Christian, he is faithful to complete what he started in you. And what he has started in you is a work of what will finally be called glorification, where no sin is present in you. The most attractive sin to you right now that gets you every time you're tempted, friends, you will one day look at it and you will be appalled. You will hate the sin that now clings so tightly to you. The sin that follows you around, every time you turn around, it's right there, it's talking to you, it's tempting you, it's whispering, it's, it's pulling on you. Friends, one day, you'll turn around, and it's not there. No, no sin from without, and here's the glory, no sin within. 
Did you know that Jesus had nothing in him that was attracted to evil? In some sense, it was really almost impossible to tempt Jesus because he was not attracted to sin or evil in any way, shape, or form. And then some would argue that's why the devil had to tempt him beyond what we are ever tempted because there is no attraction in him to evil like we are attracted to it. But the hope is one day it will be no more. All right, here's C.S. Lewis one more time. You ready? This one I put up on the screen because it's a bit complex, but you guys can do it. Ready? The incarnation, think Christmas, okay? That's what Christmas is. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, becoming man. The incarnation, God the Son, takes the body and human soul of Jesus, and through that, the whole environment of nature, meaning this, the, the person and the nature of being human, okay? And its whole environment, all that comes along with being human, all the creaturely predicament into his own being so that he came down from heaven can almost be transposed into heaven drew earth up into it. Meaning he absorbed earth and all the nature of being human into himself. And locality, limitation, sleep, sweat, foot sore, weariness, frustration, pain, doubt, and death are from before all worlds known by God from within. Meaning God has experienced all these in Jesus and understands it at an experiential level. He took humanity up into himself by becoming one of us. The pure light walks the earth. The darkness received into the heart of deity is there swallowed up. Where except in uncreated light can the darkness be drowned? And friends, this is Christmas. The uncreated light swallowed up darkness. Friends, so that we don't have to be swallowed up by darkness. Friends, that's the offer on the table for Christmas. Is that you don't have to live in darkness anymore. You can come into the light. So what if your deeds are exposed? Let them be exposed so that you might ask for forgiveness and receive the grace, mercy, love, and forgiveness of God for all your sins. All of them. And there be no condemnation left for you. And now amazingly, if this is your story, friends, if this is your story, then not only has light come into your world, but Jesus says, you become the light of the world. Have you read the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus says this astonishing thing, and this, this is the last text and we're done. Speaking to his kingdom citizens, speaking to those who are already in the kingdom, those who are already a part of this no condemnation status, he says, you are the light of the world. Friends, if you're a Christian, that's you. So, so it's not just that Jesus is the light of the world, but you are. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, okay? And in that day, you know, just think of, think of even Pittsburgh. When you're out in the suburbs and you look towards the city at night, you see just light going up into the air. At least from where I live, you can see it. And you're like, oh, there's the city over there. It just, it's unmistakable 
all that brightness. And so this is what's being said. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house in the same way. Here's the comparison. Let your light shine. Now, friends, what is your light? Jesus is your light. It's not that you now as a Christian have this light. It's that you have the light of God in you. It's the Spirit. And you can shine the light of God that others might see. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You see, Christians no longer live in darkness. We no longer take part in the, in the deeds of evil. Rather, we do good, not that we might be praised or seen as great, but so that God can be seen as transformative in his power, because that's what he does to Christians. He changes and transforms us, that we become those who do good, and we shine the light that is inside of us, and that light inside of us is God himself. This is Christmas, friends, is that God has come not to help you feel warm fuzzies at Christmas. That's not the reason. Not, I, I love the Christmas tree and the gifts under it and all the gifts given. But friends, the point is Jesus, the light, come into the darkness. And friends, if we have all the traditions of Christmas in America and you miss the point, friends, it'd be better not to celebrate and to have the reality, the substance of Christmas, the light himself. And so to, to symbolize this, you are lights now in the world. Friends, is the, is the world dark? Have you watched the news? Have you felt it in your family this week? Maybe even today? Right? You, you think about family gathering together and it just, it, oh, this is going to be awesome. Because <laughs> every family is whole and without problems and there's nothing but encouragement and upbuilding and construction, Right? It's every family in here. No, often it's the opposite. But friends, you can be a light in that darkness. And so to symbolize that, we're going to hold candles as we sing. And as you hold this candle, this is, this is symbolizing that you have the light. And you're not supposed to hide it. I'm not supposed to hide it. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. No, we let it shine. And that light that we let shine is God through us. And so as you hold this candle and we sing our last two songs, we're going to sing four songs, but the last two we're going to sing by candlelight. Okay? And I want you to think of this verse here, that you are the light of the world. And as you hold this candle, remind yourself, this is me. I am this light in a dark place. This is what God says about me. And maybe the prayer needs to be, God, let me not hide the light. Maybe your prayer, if you're not there, is let me not hide from the light. Maybe you should come into the light in the first place. And so prayer is the key, asking God to break into your darkness, asking God to give you a love for him above the love for the darkness, and he will do it. He will gladly do it. And so let us worship through song. Let us worship through prayer. I'm, I'm a firm believer, if you can't sing these songs in truth, pray. Pray instead that God would give you the grace to, to sing these songs in truth. Engage with God. Don't let this moment pass, okay? Maybe Christmas Eve of 2023 
Is the, the night that God met with you and you met with God? And even if you're a Christian, that could be you. God met me tonight and I met with God. He pierced my darkness. God help us tonight, even as we sing, may this reality of light piercing the darkness be real to us, spiritually, morally, emotionally, psychologically, and Father, future hope physically, one day there will be no darkness. God, we pray, help us, even in these moments, as we sing and worship and reflect on the Jesus of Christmas. Help us, Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. If you could please stand, we're going to sing together. And on the last two songs, just as a warning, we're going to cut the lights. But you will have candles, and so those will light up the room. And don't forget, you are the light of the world. All right, so we're going to continue with worship. So earlier, Chris was reading out of, Pastor Chris was reading out of uh, Isaiah 9. So he was in 1 and 2. We're going to continue with 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with the justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this.
next scripture is going to be Luke 1, 26 through 35. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call, him, call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child, will, child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Thank you. We're going to sing Joy to the World. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from, 
from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, and was with child, who was with child. And while there, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger where the, because there was no place for them in the inn. Luke 2, 8-16. 
And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that he had been told concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. doing the candlelight. <laughs>
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day and just allow us to continue by worshiping you as we think about you tonight and tomorrow. Help us to be a light, Lord, like Pastor Chris was preaching, to be a light to our families, friends, to the world, Lord. Make your name famous, Lord, in Pittsburgh. Use us to do that. I pray that you would just shine in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Friends, as we've read earlier, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, and no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but lets it shine for all to see. So let us go from this place. May God help us to be a light in this dark world and to shine his light so that others might come to know him, love him, and walk with him as we have. And so we're going to blow out our candles together and end in prayer. One, two, three. Father, thank you for your grace to us in Christ. Father, we thank you for Christmas. God become man, the second person of the Trinity, come as one of us. Father, would we know you in a deeper and fuller way, even as we've celebrated tonight, as we've sung, as we've heard your word. God, help us. Draw near to us, we pray. We thank you for Christmas, God. May you be pleased with our worship and celebration tomorrow. Keep us all safe, God, and may we be mindful of Jesus and his birth. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Have a Merry Christmas. And there are some refreshments on the back table, so feel free to head back, grab a few cookies, and hang out.